Today's uh, scripture reading comes from uh, the Gospel of John, uh, chapter 12, verses 20 uh, to 47. Okay. Now there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the feast. They came to Philip, who was with Berseda, who was from Berseda in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew, and Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me. Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, the voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. But I, when I am lifted from the earth, will draw all men to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. The crowd spoke up. We have heard from the law that the the Christ will remain forever. So how can you say the Son of Man must be lifted up? Who is the Son of Man? Then Jesus told them, you are going to have the light just a little while longer. Walk while you have the light before darkness overtakes you. The man who walks in the dark does not know where he is going. Put your trust in the light where you have it, while you have it, so that you may become sons of light. When he had finished speaking, Jesus left and hid himself from them. Even after Jesus had done all these miraculous signs in their presence, they still would not believe him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet, Lord who has believed our message and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed. For this reason they could not believe, because as Isaiah says elsewhere, he has blinded their eyes and deadened their hearts, so they can neither see with their eyes, nor understand with their hearts, nor turn, and I would heal them. Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. Yet at the same time, many, even among the leaders, believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not confess their faith, for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they love the praise of men, from men more than praise from God. Jesus cried out, When a man believes in me, he does not believe in me only, but in the one who sent me. When he looks at me, he sees the one who sent me. And I have come into the world as a light, so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. As for the person who hears my words, but does not keep them, I do not judge them. For I do not come to judge the world, but to save it. This is the word of the Lord for the people of God. God. 
So I'm using my laptop today because uh, I couldn't print out my sermon. So hopefully, I, I, I believe I have enough juice, and so we'll, we'll be okay. Or you are going to be thankful, and this sermon is going to be cut short. Uh, so why do we come to church? Is it for the music, for the people, wonderful air condition? The reason we come needs to be very clear. This passage of Scripture is about to set up the Passion Week. These are some of the last events before Jesus goes to the cross. You have um, Jesus anointed at Bethany when Mary Magdalene came with a jar of perfume. You have the triumphal entry in which people said, Hosanna, Hosanna, as he came into Jerusalem. And now you have him predicting his own death. As Jesus walked this earth, he did not make his life about him. Jesus says in this passage that a seed needs to die in order to grow and bear fruit. This morning I pray we can gain a clear understanding of what it means to be crucified with Christ, die to oneself, and produce fruit. In verses 20 to 35, Jesus realized that his hour had come when he was told by Philip and Andrew that some Gentiles had come to see him. Early in his ministry, when Jesus' mother suggested that he do something, when the wine ran out at a wedding, Jesus told her that his time had not yet come. And later throughout the gospel, after Jesus had arguments with the Pharisees, they tried to arrest him. But they were unable to because his time had not yet come. But when Gentiles came to see him, Jesus realized that his hour had finally come. This hour was the time of his glorification, when he would be crucified, he would rise from the dead, and ascend to the Father. But why would this hour be triggered by some Gentiles coming to see Jesus? The Gentiles who came to see Jesus were coming as believers, hoping for the blessing of eternal life. Up to this point in the Gospel of John, Jesus' ministry had always been focused on the Jews. But now non-Jewish believers in God were coming to faith in Jesus. And this fulfilled Jesus' mission on earth to bring all people to faith. So Jesus, the Good Shepherd, was not here just for the Jews. And we know that He came down from heaven to be Lord and Savior for everyone, Jew and non-Jew alike. So when the Gentiles came to see and believe, Jesus knew that his hour had come because his mission had been fulfilled. All people were coming to faith. So it was time for Jesus' glorification, his death, his resurrection and ascension to heaven. And through this glorification, all people would draw near to him and find hope in the living God. We are at a beautiful crossroads in the life of St. Luke, United Methodist Church. We can celebrate and remember the footprints Pastor Archie and his family left here. And we're also welcoming Reverend Guillermo to walk, her and her family to walk with us and be a tool for us as we move forward in glorifying the kingdom of God. It's important to reflect on these past four years to see where we have grown where we have stumbled, 
and where God wants to lead us as we move forward. I know I would be gravely mistaken if I said St. Luke Church has no desire to grow. That we are satisfied with the people we have ministered to and the ministries that we offer here. You see, now more than ever, we need to take the message of the cross to those who are without hope and without love in this world. In verse 24, John reveals to us the key to church growth. It's in the glorification of Jesus Christ. His death on a cross, resurrection to new life, and ascension to the right hand of the Father is the seed that grows into the church. And each of us is called to follow Jesus on this pathway. We are called to death, to resurrection, and to ascension to new life in Jesus Christ. This is the purpose of our lives. The purpose of coming to church. Our own glorification. And our glorification is the seed that builds up the church. Later in the gospel... Forgive me. Later in the gospel, John of John, we are given an image of Christ as the vine, and we the church as the branches. John 15, Jesus is portrayed as the vine, the one in which we gain life. We the branches, we give life to the leaves. So we gain our strength, our life, and our power from Jesus Christ. We in turn give life to others by introducing them to the life of Jesus. We must stay connected to the vine in order to maintain life. If we stay connected to the vine, we are given life and fruit and power. Thus, we can become a branch of life to others. By Christ's example on the cross, in His death on the cross, the nature of God is revealed. For God is love, and there is no greater love than the laying down of one's life. So in the cross, the heart of God is revealed clearly. We see that selflessness and humble self-sacrifice are divine attributes. We are given a warning in verse 25. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant will also be. My father, my father will honor the one who serves me. Here is the call to radical discipleship, moving to, towards our own glorification. The love of this life, of ourself, is at the heart of all of sin. Beginning with the rebellion of the Garden of Eden, where Adam and Eve wanted to be like God and took matters into their own hands. That rebellion brought death and continues to bring death. What is needed is to die to ourselves so that way we can fully follow Christ. This is what John meant in verse 25, to hate one's life in this world. When Jesus says in Luke 14.26, the disciple must hate his father and his mother, he does not mean to despise or reject 
in an absolute sense. He is speaking about choices and attachments. Our devotion and obedience to Jesus must be so thorough that nothing else is distracting. My biggest enemy is myself. I know that as I stand before you, I am guilty of being distracted and putting other things before God. Where I choose to put my money and where I choose to spend my time are red flags on where my devotion is. Whether it be the TV or video games or my wife, my time and devotion to God should be above all else. You see, we receive 168 hours in one week. If we are honest with ourselves, how much of that time is given to the eternal things of God? How much time in prayer and His Word? Sharing our faith or serving those who are in need? Christ was urging us to keep our hearts focused and devoted to the things in life that matter. We are commanded to love God and love people. Yet I know that there are times where if I look at my schedule from a particular day, it would reveal only love for myself. We need to set our minds on heavenly things, not on earthly things. Our mindset needs to be that of Jesus Christ. Everything He did was to glorify God. Every part of His life glorified God. Every part of our life needs to glorify God. If our lives are not devoted to loving God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength, and we are not loving our neighbor with our actions, we miss out on the blessings of God. We miss the miraculous ways He moves in our hearts and uses us to reach the hearts of others. In verse 37, the leaders of the church saw Jesus perform miraculous signs and wonders. Yet they still did not draw near to Him. In verse 42 it says, Yet at the same time many, even among the leaders, believed in Him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith, for fear they would be put out of the synagogue. For they loved human praise more than praise from God. They loved human praise more than praise from God. We need to be very careful how we choose to live and who we choose to serve. How easy it is to get caught up in playing church. Last Sunday I was encouraged by our new pastor's uh, get to know you sermon. She said she is an imperfect pastor but is a tool to help St. Luke build God's kingdom here. My prayer is that we may seek praise from God and not praise from men on how we need to support her, love on her, and listen and understand the vision that God has given her for our church. Let us look beyond the imperfect person and see the Holy Spirit giving her authority and guidance to lead us.
I remember when I was 18, I was on fire for God, or so I, or so I thought. I was in leadership in all areas of the church, from the local church to the district level, to the conference level, even nationally. I enjoyed being in the spotlight, having a voice, and being heard. People would listen when I spoke, and I soaked it all in. But I soon found out my heart was not on building the kingdom of God, who I professed to love and serve, but I was building my kingdom, stroking my own ego, enjoying my own following. I remember leaders of my conference saying that I had big things ahead of me. Little did they know how I loved the praise of men more than the praise from God. I am thankful God rebuked me and showed me my view of His kingdom was so limited and I needed to change. I withdrew from all the leadership that I was a part of and one year later after that, I was placed here. Um, I came here to El Paso. And God placed me as a youth director here at St. Luke while also educating me in balancing my life and loving Him and loving His people uh, through a two-year discipleship training course uh, which was called Equipping the Saints. He prepared me, even through my failings. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live but Christ lives in me you see in order for a seed to grow it must die I died to myself and I will continue to die to myself on this journey with Christ so I can bear fruit each and every person who professes Christ as their Savior is called to bear fruit We are to edify our hearts through our relationship with Him so we can edify others in drawing them near to God. I found this illustration helpful uh, on the internet when thinking about bearing fruit. Suppose that a a farmer has a barn full of corn and all spring and summer he eats the corn. The next year he notices that he has less corn in the barn than the year before. But he continues eating it, never planting any. This goes on year after year until there is no more corn in the barn. The farmer then complains about his bad luck and has to sell the farm. What would you call a farmer like that? You would probably call him a fool for doing such a foolish thing. Seeds should not be eaten. Seeds should be planted and with the right soil moisture, temperature, and sunlight, they will grow into abundance. Now suppose that someone comes to the church and notices that there are fewer people in the pews than the year before. There must be something wrong, they think, but nothing is done about it. The next year they see even fewer people in the pews and grow a little more concerned. But they do nothing. After many years, the congregation is too small and is merged with another church and the building is sold and still they do nothing. What would you call a person like that? The 
fruit that most commonly comes to people's mind when talking about spiritual fruit is the fruit of the Spirit, found in Galatians 5, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These nine fruits are, are seen as character that reflects our risen Savior. While these fruit are good to strive for and to make part of your everyday life, Christ also commands us to spiritually reproduce ourselves, to make disciples. The gospel of Jesus is not just for us to experience and hoard. We are to go out and teach everything that Jesus has taught us. I've used this before and I'll continue to use it again because there's there's no other way to say it. But Matthew 4.4 says, Man does not live on bread alone, but out of every word that comes out of the mouth of God. So with one hand, we are to feed ourselves, to edify our walk and relationship with God. And with the other hand, we are to feed others, building up the church. The message this morning is simply summed up from Galatians 2.20. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body... I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. We are called to die to oneself. To make our devotion fully on God, free of distractions. And be a branch of life for all people around us. You are the seed God has placed here at St. Luke United Methodist Church. To bear the fruit in this church, in this community, in this city, in this state, in this nation, and to the ends of the earth. The time is now when we, by our actions, show the love of Christ to our neighbors and our friends. Now is the time we need to be fruitful seeds by inviting our families and our friends to come, see, and experience the love of Jesus. Amen.